Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Welcome, such an awesome privilege to be able to worship. Um, you know, I continue to reiterate the brevity of life and how fast things are, but I am just, I have not words for it. The speed with which things continue to, and I don't know if it has to do with people in our house, but even people in our house are like, man, everything goes so fast here. I don't know if it's the, the organized or somewhat organized chaos of what our lives are, but I, um, all of my vitamins, my heart medicine, I put in a 30-day pill organizer. So every day I have the, the date on there, and I open up the ones that day, and I have those with me, so I take the ones, you know, I don't take, forget to take my heart medicine, because in the middle of the night or early in the morning, it'll tell me if I haven't taken it, but uh, my heart does, not the organizer. But it, it seems like I filled it up just two days ago, but last month it seemed like just a few days ago I'd filled it up. So it's just like this, and I just flipped to the last page on my read through the Bible card, and I just can't believe, it was just like yesterday that I was sitting there putting that together for this year. And by the way, if you find any corrections on the card, please let me know, because I try to you know, fix those as I go through, because I have to do that card every year. So um, please let me know if there's any things that I can fix in that, but that's the ADD in me, can't help that. But as I think about how short the time we have left on this terrestrial ball is, time is meaningless in God's eyes. All of that's gonna pass away. Everything's gonna be irrelative. Time is nothing. And Jesus was here in God's eyes two seconds ago. A day is a thousand years. It's been two days since Jesus was here in God's eyes. It's, it's nothing. So time is irrelevant in eternity but it's very relevant to us now. And I often share that quote that is above a door at Victory Baptist Church, and I saw it for the first time, I believe, years ago. We have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. We have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. We are in a war right now with the enemy. The war we're in is a war for souls. And the question becomes, what are we doing to impact that? What are we doing to impact the lives of people who don't know Jesus? I hope a lot. I hope you are, in a, I hope you are a one-man army spiritually when you go out into your mission field. We come together tonight to huddle, but all we're doing is basically getting an encouragement, a challenge, uh, cry with, laugh with, rejoice together, and then we go back out with the challenge and call it a mission field so we have to be faithful though. I can't choose that for you, you can't choose it for me. We have to choose to honor, to glorify, and to live for the Lord, and I pray that that's your heart's desire. Tonight, turn your Bibles, if you have them, First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, gonna look at one verse tonight, it's verse 12. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, first and second Peter, will, hey, it, it'll shake the tree of life for you. Anybody else remember what's in first and second Peter? There's some strong content in First and Second Peter. But I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll challenge you to growth. 
It'll challenge you what undeserved suffering that you endure. It'll challenge you in submission to, it even challenges slaves to submit to their masters, meaning it goes through the hardcore submission parts of life. It's a call to works. I mean, it's literally, it's the, it, it is the icing on the cake as far as the lives of followers of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we talk about walking with honor. In verse 12, there's this one challenge there. It's, it's actually a part under my Bible, as she says, a, a call to good works. But it shares with us how to conduct ourselves when we are out in the world. You know, the, the Scripture calls it Gentiles. You, know, you got Jewish people, Gentiles. You think about it. Let's just break it down easy. Lost and saved. God has a standard with which we're to conduct ourselves in the world. The world is watching, church. I promise you. Your friends that know you're a Christian, they're watching you. They're watching to see if what you say with your mouth, you believe in your heart. They're watching the actions that you do. They want to see, and what, what are they looking for? Number one, they're looking for compromise. They're looking for a misstep. They're not looking to go, okay, yeah, I believe it's all true. No, they're waiting for a misstep. That's what they're waiting for. Why? To reaffirm what they already believe about Christians. It's the person driving down the road with honk if you love Jesus, you know, God is my co-pilot bumper stickers. Just literally, it's like a godly canvas on the back of the car. And the next thing you know, they're throwing their hands out there. I'm not even going to tell you what they're doing, but they're throwing fingers out of the, the car. They're not throwing gang signs. They're trying to instruct people and not in, you're in first place. They're doing those things and then the world sees that and what do they do? Oh, that, look, look, at, look at there. Huh? Right, real, real good there, isn't it? We've got to be careful because our conduct is a representation of Christ. It is either a representation for Christ and what does it do? It reaffirms what we are speaking or in a moment we can undo everything that we have lived, ready for this one, decades, decades. In one solitary moment, you can undo your entire testimony for your entire life. What this tonight is, is a, is a challenge to walk with honor. Walk with honor, what honor? Honor of being a follower of Christ Jesus. We have the privilege of being a Christian. We're not Christians just because we woke up one morning and said, you know what, I think it'd be nice to be a Christian. That is a, a, a lifestyle that's full of want. This is great honor and great glory in the world's eyes. And, oh, you're a Christian. Here, you get the first uh, row up here. here we, oh, you got priority seating because you're a Christian. No, long gone are the days of respect under the name of being a Christian. That's all gone. As a matter of fact, what is the first thing that happens when you say you're a Christian now? People are suspect of you. Therefore, in my opinion, from what I've seen and what I've experienced in my dealings with people who are not lost or that are lost, we have a greater call now to live set apart than ever before. If we are ever going to be the reflection of God's glory, the world has got to see Christ in us. And just going to challenge you and encourage you tonight to walk with honor. Hope you found 1 Peter chapter 2, again, verse 12. And if you're physically able, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word.
Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, most importantly, thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that speaks to our hearts, that convicts us, that encourages us, challenges us. The Father brings us to maturity, Lord, as we walk in the nurture and the admonition of the Holy Spirit. Father, we give you full and free reign to do what only you can do, and we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Look at the first part of verse 12 tonight. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. You can look down at my... Um, uh, down at the, my notes in the bottom right there, and it really just gives, it says, Peter commanded his readers to live honorably as holy strangers and exiles so that even hostile Gentile residents of the earth might come to glorify God. Powerful right there, because you conduct yourselves honorably among Gentiles. Personally, I believe we're supposed to conduct ourselves honorably among, no matter who we're with. Amen? How many times do Christians mistreat other Christians because you feel like you're in light company, so you treat them like trash? I've seen that. I'm sadly, I'm very sad the fact that I saw that growing up as a child. It's one of the things that really made me walk away from Christianity at about 14 years old. Didn't want anything to do with it. One of those, I've shared this with some of you, probably some of you haven't heard this, but we were in Charlotte. My dad was pastoring the first church he'd ever pastored. My mom happened to go down to the basement. We had a basement at that church where we had a fellowship hall down there. My mom goes down there one Sunday morning, and what they used to have, every, day, every week there would be a different person who would sponsor the fresh flowers. I, I can't even imagine the cost of that back then, but you had fresh flowers every Sunday morning, and, and someone would do it in honor, in memory. You know, you'd do it in memory of a mom, dad, friend, neighbor, blah, blah. But they would do that every week. My mom goes in there to the basement that Sunday morning, at, right before Sunday school, and to the horror, one of the ladies, they would usually drop that off on Saturday, the, a woman had come in there and took this, or, by the way, this wasn't her arrangement, this was someone else's in honor and memory of arrangement. They, she did not like this arrangement, so she took the arrangement down to the basement and was disassembling it. So my mother sees this and is immediately horrified and says, oh, that such and such, this is their thing, and said, you'll, you'll break, this will really hurt her. The woman looked over my mother and said, I was here when you came, and I'll be here when you leave. That were her exact words. Now, do I need to give you any more stories about how Christians treat others? As a matter of fact, I didn't even, by the way, I was just giving you one that was clinging to the outside of the bag. I didn't even open the bag. I have ones that would turn your stomachs, that would truly disgust you. But I don't think this is a place for it. I'm just telling you this to say, sometimes people do things to other Christians and you step back and go, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? How could you do that to your brother or sister in Christ? So in the outside world, we have to deal with the world hating us, but truly this actually should be a place, and I'm thankful that this stuff doesn't happen at Longview because I wouldn't have been here long if it did. I'm thankful that Longview has a spirit of peace and of unity because the Scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, what? There is peace. 
Thank the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. And that's what we want to maintain the cohesive fellowship of the body. We want to maintain the peace of God that surpasses and transcends all understanding that guards our hearts because we know that that is the spirit of the Lord and the spirit that God's called us to. But the first thing that I want to share out of that first little part tonight is this. Our actions can either prove our testimony or tear it apart. Brothers and sisters, conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles. Again, I think we should, that applies to everything, but most importantly, going into the world, going into a restaurant, going to a convenience store, going in your place of business, conduct yourselves worthy of the calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. We are a testimony. As a matter of fact, there's an old song that some of you might know if you grew up in Christian circles, Sermon in Shoes. Anybody remember that? Derwood, I bet you remember that. Yep. Your, your father was an independent Baptist preacher. They sung that one big time. But it basically was saying that we are a sermon in shoes. You're either a sermon in shoes or you're a destructor in shoes, which is tearing apart the, the truth, the, the gospel message, and doing things to hurt and harm the call of Christianity and the call of Christ. We have those choices on any given day that we can let our actions, you know, oh, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, so I don't care anymore. I don't care what anybody thinks, really. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that on the cross. I'm thankful that Jesus was faithful unto death on the cross for us as he bore our sin debt and the burden for us. Faithful unto death, rose victoriously. And can you imagine, by the way, we have friends that we will no longer engage when they engage in behaviors that are dangerous, right, or very hurtful, and they continue to function in those. Sometimes you have to cut bait, right? Why do you do that? You do that because the danger to the relationship is imperative to sometimes, you, you know, yes, we should turn the other cheek. We realize that, but ultimately... We've got to be careful and we have to guard our hearts because there's great damage that can happen when you continue to get harmed and hurt. And sometimes you have to separate yourself from people that call themselves followers of Christ but are living contradictory to the gospel call, the gospel message. But our actions, though, either affirm that testimony, they speak to that, they prove it, or in one word, you can tear it apart. Got the real neat privilege Monday. Uh, had uh, one of the nurses came in was having just some tough times in life and um, I just happened to hear this conversation they're having I just turned around and said hey can I pray with you so I got another nurse we prayed over this this nurse who's having was, had to make some decisions had to have a conversation so prayed man just prayed I'm talking about prayed and uh, didn't think anything about it next day I happened to see this person didn't work where I was working but happened to walk through and I said hey by the way how did, how did it go last night oh let me tell you how it went Went, went incredible. An incredible conversation. There was incredible restoration. There was incredible healing in the conversation. Now, when we prayed, I prayed, go before. Change the heart of the person that this person has to go talk to, Lord, because we know what your desire is spiritually. I can't go into details. Is why I'm trying to just be as surfacey as possible. But it was so awesome because the person said, after we had this conversation, they said, what did you do before you came home? And they said, well, a person at work prayed with me. And they said, well, I thought there was something. But that's the power of prayer. It took a moment to get involved in somebody's life, but it mattered. It mattered to them. They're a sister in Christ. Why would it not matter? Amen? Now, was it a little socially awkward because someone could have walked around the corner and seen them right there holding hands with two other nurses praying right there? And I don't care what they thought. Because I wasn't doing anything that was contradictory to the Scripture. What I was doing 
is in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present your requests to the Lord the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts in Christ Jesus right so we were acting in line with the word by the way the prayer I knew would be answered because we were praying in accordance with God's word because God's desire is for family to be restored for family to be held in cohesion. So we knew that God's gonna intervene. Does it happen all the time? No, God's plans are different sometimes and ultimately we have free will. So sometimes the hearts of people are hard. We can't change that, but we know that God does still answer prayer. Doesn't always answer it how we want it to be answered, but as we live out the call of a follower of Jesus Christ, our actions have to mirror the profession of faith that we have with our mouth, or brothers and sisters, we can do so much damage to the kingdom. Again, the same picture of me as a child and all of these people that had no, no idea that they were torpedoing my ability to truly know Christ in the fullness. I was wanting nothing more than to be like these people around me who were doing nothing more than modeling something that was completely contradictory to Scripture. Look at this second part of verse 12 again. It says, so you got conduct yourselves, honor among Gentiles. Why? So that when they, when, is that not interesting? What words? When. Doesn't say if. It says when. When they slander you as evildoers. We'll stop there. Second thing. The world will join the accuser in accusations. Remember in Job? The accuser of the brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan. The accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren, what does he want to do? He makes accusations. Think about what he did with Job. The accusations that led into Job being tested. He was accused, oh, he only, paraphrasing, he only honors you because you blessed him. Job doesn't, really, Job doesn't really care about you. God, he only loves you because you have given him things. You have blessed him. Take it away and watch what happens. Okay? Don't touch his body. Life. Remember Job? About halfway through, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. You know what he was saying? I'm here miserable. I wish my life was gone. I wish I'd never been born. Cursed be the day that they said, oh, look, little boy. Job realized, naked I came. His first response when he loses the last of his children, naked I came, naked I go. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As I shared with you last year, and I can even look at it in more perspective now, one year ago right now, I'm in the hospital down in Alabama right now. You all remember that? It's been a year. I was down there in Alabama not understanding why in the world. What, God, why? You know what I realized? I came back and said the first week I came back, I said, you know, it's, it's interesting how God allows us to go through things. And remember I said, a lot of times when he allows things to happen, he's preparing us for something much greater. And I hope that's not the case, as I said, word for word, with which one week later, you know what happened. 
See, God knows. God was preparing. God was allowing me, even in that, the testing of our faith, our whole family's faith. Next week, we're going to sit on the same couch that we sat there with my daughter-in-law last year and enjoyed an incredible time with family, not realizing that just a few short weeks, days, she'd be gone. See, when you walk with honor, you walk with honor either in the good, the bad, and naked you come, naked you go. God gives, God takes away. He owns it all. None of what I have is mine, including my life. You have nothing tonight, and God forbid if you do, because you're in big trouble. Because if you have anything that God hasn't given you, I'd encourage you to get rid of it tomorrow. Because it will be a curse. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he must, he must own everything, including the honor that we give him in the way that we live our life. God owns my finances. I've got nothing. Nothing that I have tonight have I gotten because of my talent, my this, my that. No, it is from the gracious, loving hand of Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's the reason that I live, move, and have my being, and everything that I have is from him. And it's all on loan. Every last thing. God take it. We tried numbers of years ago to do a budget. You can't do a budget in our family. It doesn't work out. We tried it and then went, how, how do you do it now? You ran out of money and there's a whole lot more that had to be paid every month. How's it get paid? It gets paid by God. That's the only thing I can say. It's the supernatural provision of God. And I said, you know what? This is what you call faith. Throw it right in the garbage can because if I try to understand how God meets the needs, I'll never understand it. Because it is mind-numbing what it takes to support a family of our size. And it is either the faith gap that you say, God, the gap and what I understand and the faith I have is massive, and I just leave it at that. And I know that God has never left us high and dry. Is there times of, of lean? Yes, praise God. I love those times. My brother thought I'm crazy when I said one day, I think God's teaching you to live like I did in the wheelchair, I told him. I said, when we lived hand to mouth for all those years, and a friend of ours one day came over and gave us deer meat. That's the only food we had. I was thankful for that. We had 15 bean soup, and we had those little Jiffy Muffin 25-cent boxes of corn muffins. Thankful for that. God laid it on his heart to bring that deer meat over, and I knew it. It was God. And the thing about that is, God provided everything that we needed. I could have sat around and complained and whined because I'm sick and tired of 15 bean soup with deer meat and 25-cent jiffy mucks. And God, what's wrong? I get saved. You put me in a wheelchair, and you take everything away. If that's what a blessing is, you get on TBN and see if they're preaching that. Because they're not, I'm telling, I'm sorry, but they're not. For the vast majority of them, it's prosperity doctrines, what it's called. God sitting back, ready to just fill it up. Well, it's not scriptural, church. That is not the word. God blesses some people with money and lots. Praise God, use it for the kingdom, to God be the glory. But he doesn't do that with everybody. That's not the promise of God. So my question to that pastor would be this. So what's your answer? Do I have not enough faith? 
Why just not have enough faith? I mean, why, why don't I have a million dollars? Why don't I have, why don't I have a jet? Why don't I have this? Because, you know, I can do good things with it. No. You take the blessings of God, you enjoy that hand-to-mouth provision, and as I said to my brother, brother, I want to tell you something, there's no greater place to be than like I was in all those years experiencing literally daily hand-to-mouth provision. It is such a place of comfort, and I said the less I have, the more comfortable I get, and I get excited. He said, you're crazy. I said, why? He said, because I've always had a, a cushion and he said, when that thing gets away, I, I, get, I start losing my mind. I said, that's the lack of faith. I said, there's no greater place to be than to be Elijah in the wilderness being fed by the ravens, church. Because this is the thing. If you've never experienced that time of lean, when you're laid down and there is nowhere to look but up, you know what's scary? If you've never lived by faith, do you even know what faith is? If you have a bank account full of money in your life, your whole life it's been mom and dad left you with some big trust account and you've just had money your whole life and anytime you needed something, you just wrote a check. I ask you, what is faith to you? What is faith? Being sure of what I hope for is certain what I do not see. I have to trust God's promises because I know what it's like not to have anything. But I also know today when I don't see God in front of me standing there having a conversation with me, I know he's real. And I know that call of a follower of Jesus Christ as he's called us to walk with honor is just as real as the supernatural provision, just as the reality of me knowing right now beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would guess right now that you're not real before I'd say God wasn't. Well, that's a little crazy. You're sitting in front of me, someone would say. Well, I know one thing. I see you, but I have continually, perpetually experienced the hand of God in and on my life every single day. I only see you three times a week. I see him all day, every day. His fingerprints are everywhere. Just like the, the prayer over that young lady on Monday. God's hands are everywhere. Therefore, I recognize every single day what God's doing, and I hear on Monday and Tuesday the comments that people will make. Someone thought they heard me say something one day, and what did I do? I didn't just walk on. I turned around and said, I can assure you not only have you not ever heard me, no one here has ever heard me. And as somebody else said, no, he would never even say that. You misheard what he said. That had to be addressed. I didn't do it confrontation. I did it very kindly immediately when somebody said that because had I left that out of there, what would it have done? It had been like a termite in wood able to eat away at the testimony and given someone that ability to say, hey, out of the mouth is the wellspring of the soul. I don't want anybody thinking that out of the wellspring is coming something, anything other than what the word, the truth, and the picture of what Christ's reflection in God's glory should be. The world's watching us, church, especially when you're in the midst of Gentiles, lost people. They want to see, and in many cases, I'm watching people who are very leery of me, who stood in the background like this for now six months. You know what they've done? They've come out of the shadows now, and they're talking to me, and they're sharing prayer requests to me, and they're saying, I've been watching you for a long time because I've had bad experiences with Christians, or 
I, I, and, and I, hey, I don't go, oh man, I, you know. No, I say, I understand that. And I, and I want nothing more than to earn your trust as a follower of Christ, and I have nothing to gain. I care about you, I love you, and I want nothing, I have nothing all figured out. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ who cares about you, who I'm gonna love you, and, and I can mess up just like anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. I've just had a divine encounter with the loving God of creation, and I want nothing more than to minister to you and love you. And it just leaves people in, okay. But that's what we're called to do. Do I realize that there can be a time when I could say or do something that could hurt my testimony? Yes, and I'm very cognizant of that. Very. What do I do to respond to that? In my private prayer time and in my time with the Lord, I pray that God would restrain any and everything in my life to prevent that from happening and that I would be quick to repent if that did happen. Because the church, the world is watching. Watching. They're watching everything. I'm not gonna name the denominations tonight, but all you have to do is drive around Bedford County right now and you know there's a catastrophic destruction that's occurred in one particular generation or one particular denomination this year because the duct tape on the church sign shows you all you need to see. These people have had to disassociate from a, from a denomination based on a major, major scriptural difference. And you know why it breaks my heart? Because you know what denomination means? Least common denominator, separation. I hate denomination. To me, it represents separation and division. Church, I wish we could all be called the Church of Christ. Not the Church of Christ, but the church, the, the followers of Christ, right? I just wish we could all be followers of Jesus Christ. It drives me crazy that the world has been so pigeonholed in calling themselves a denominational difference. Though I understand why it's happened because there's such vast denominational differences and I firmly believe that we need to have a statement of faith with which we ascribe to, amen? Because we believe that what? Jesus Christ is virgin born, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, rose on the third day, right? Seated at the right hand of God. There's some theological differences that are indisputable. Jesus didn't have a father, right? He had God the Father through the Holy Spirit. He didn't have an earthly father. There's some fundamental things that we must hold to. Sadly, people believe that denominational was the way to do that, and it's caused great hurt, heartache, brokenness. It's caused a lot of bad throughout the age and history. See, we need to walk with honor. We need to walk with integrity. We need to walk worthy of the calling as a follower of Jesus Christ. To me, most notably pictured in Colossians 3, which I reference continually, and I would love it if everybody in there know the whole chapter. If we've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. For we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. What a basic, beautiful picture of asking if you've been raised with Christ. If. If you have, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on the things here. We are dead. See, I'm dead. This world is dead. Where's your life? 
my life has been hid with Christ in God. I realize that the things in this world, the things of this world are passing away. Think about now, the very few years ago that I was a, a nursing tech, 17 years, 16 years old or 17 years old, all those 30 years ago, and I think, okay, 17 to 27 to 37 to 47, that gives me 30 years. All right, knock, 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 and on 50, you add another 30 to that, and where's that get you? 80. I can't even fathom me being 80 years old. I'm not even joking. This is not a joke. I can't fathom me being 80 years old, but if God decides to, I'll find out what it's like, won't I? But there's a problem. The last 30 years was fast. The bad part is, remember cassette tapes? Kids, you might not know what I'm talking about. We used to have this thing called cassette tapes. They were little plastic things about that big, had two holes in them. And that's how we listen to music. Let's go to a museum, you'll see one. I actually have one at the house. A little portable one about that big. You've got your Teddy Ruxpin. But with my cassette tapes, all those years ago, when I used to push the cassette tape and had to work and live my life, it was fast. The problem is, the next 30, we're going to go a whole lot quicker. Church, I don't know if I'll be, I, I, in all honesty, if you ask me, do I believe I'll live? I don't believe I will, maybe, but whatever. God's, will's, God's will be done, praise God. But I'll tell you what I'm realizing. I'm watching these people that are literally standing at the edge of eternity. And I'm thinking about them who are in there, some of them even in their 50s. 30 years ago, they were in their 20s. That 30 years has gone quick for them. These people are literally standing at the edge of eternity. We're all standing at the edge of eternity, every one of us. We have a limited amount of time to do what God's created us to do. We have limited resources with which to do that in the sense that time. This limited resource I'm talking about right now is time. I'm going to blink, and we're going to be at January 1st of 2024, and that's why I'm challenging you once again and encouraging you to do what I said last year. See, the enemy wanted nothing more than to not allow me to spend the month of December giving you the ability to help this focus. We're going to be focused on Advent again, the coming of Christ and all that Jesus means to us in the Advent season. It gets me so excited. I don't care about the commercialization part of Christmas. It's wonderful, the kids. It's great to spend time with family. But see, I'm looking beyond that. I'm looking at Christ. I'm looking at the one that paved the way for us to boldly go into God's presence this very night the one that long after the things of this earth, the things of this world have grown strangely dim. Many of the patients have pictures of them when they were young. My, how some were so gorgeous and beautiful and young, youthful. All of that is long since past. That's happening to us. This earthly shell church is headed out the door. What is it going to mortal is going to take on, I pray in your life, immortality at will one way or the other. In one of two places in the presence of the Lord rejoicing around his throne, Revelation chapter 5, 
or we're gonna be separated from him like God gives us merely our will of being separated from him. And it's gonna happen. In the twinkling of an eye, we're gonna be there. This proverbial vapor of life, a mist that appears and is gone. Our earthly, as Johnny Cash sang in his last albums, the empire of dirt that you've created, it was all gonna be disappearing in the annuals of history. It was a brick foundry that was established in New York 100 and, I guess, 30, 40 years ago. Never even knew about these people. I wish I remembered their name. It started with an F. Fleischmann's or Fredericks or something of that name. It was a very, very prominent people that New York burnt many, many years ago. And this man set up a brick company so that they could rebuild with bricks so that they wouldn't burn next time. And Long story short, became very, very, very wealthy. All of the bricks had their names on it. Their bricks are still all over the city in buildings. Uber rich back then. The man built on his property a home for all of his children, had the big mansion, had the foundry, had everything right there. Dad ended up dying. The dad home ended up burning down. The two children were doing great. They were running the company after the father had died. One day, they find the other, one of the brothers dead on the property. He had taken his life. Then his house burnt down. And by the way, I know a lot about history. I like history. It fascinates me. World history fascinates me. National history fascinates me. I'd never heard of this family. So I began to think about that the other day and think about it even perspective of this. That man and his money have all but vanished in the annuals of history now. All of the clout, all of the material blessings that he had accumulated for himself. I don't know his spiritual condition, I have no idea. But if that man was lost, he was one of the poorest men that ever walked or lived. Not by the earthly standards, he was wealthy, but see, spiritually speaking, what is the legacy that we're leaving? Are we walking with honor? Are we walking with integrity? Because as we walk with honor, we walk with integrity. What we're doing is storing up for ourselves treasures where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Scripture says. Where's your heart? The gift of God allowing me Monday to pray with someone, I treasure that. I mean that. It's a gift. You know that that person today that you talked to, that you encouraged or you challenged, maybe you got a card out today for somebody, maybe you shot someone a text that God laid on your heart today. Maybe you did that today. You know what you did? You invested in something that the annuals of history can never erase. When you did it for him, you did something, and you placed treasure where moth and rust can never destroy and thieves can never break in and steal it. You stored up treasures in heaven. Do you realize that if you're walking in solid, steadfast commitment to Christ with a testimony that's unparalleled and unprecedented, you're storing up treasures, but not only that, you are showing the glory of Christ to someone who potentially may never know the glory of the Lord, 
in the fullness of walking with him had you been disobedient and lived contradictory to scripture and talked a whole lot of talk but never walked the walk because every bit of your walk will trump out and erase the talk if you're not walking the talk. Talk is cheap. You've heard that, right? You think that's true in the earthly sense? It is magnified in the spiritual sense. Talk is cheap. Where are you at in the season of your life right now? Is God trying to plow up infertile field in the heart of your life right now? Why? Because you haven't been walking with honor. You haven't been walking with integrity. What is God wanting to do tonight? Is God preparing you as he's tilling up the soil of your heart and your life tonight? For something new in 2024, I don't know. But I ask you tonight to step back, do an introspective, reflective look. Are you reaching out? Are you kingdom building? Are you kingdom building in the relationships with one another? This is one of the hard things. And I'll tell you that, this was one of the very difficult parts. Me, when I got, when I got saved, before I became a Christian, let me tell you something. I kept my cards close, meaning I trusted no one. Zero. Don't trust them. I'd been hurt so many times. Not only that, I'd lived, I worked in a profession where everybody was a liar. Every call I went to, Christian, non, and everything in between, everybody lied about everything. Only God could heal that and get me to the place now. You know how hard it is because, matter of fact, I'm developing some relationships with people who I'm praying that God would not only allow me to either lead them to Christ, but that they're, if that, nothing more, they're immature believers that I'm praying God will bring to the flock. But nonetheless, I'm investing in kingdom building. What do I have to do to do that? I have to open up. What is the risk? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. When you open up, you risk getting hurt. It's easy to do this, church. I'll never let anybody know me. You can do that all day long. You'll never have anybody. You'll never have any relationship worth having because in order to give yourself away, you have to open up. What's the danger? You can get hurt. But guess what? If you get hurt, what do you gotten hurt for? You got hurt for the kingdom. You got hurt for the kingdom. You know what the great thing is? The scripture says, if you give a cool drink of water in the name of the Lord, you will not fail to receive your reward. So if someone hurts you for the name of truth, what have you lost? Not only have you not lost anything, but you've gained everything. Because what you did is you were willing to suffer for the name of Christ because walking with honor, walking with integrity, walking with character means something to you. Tonight, as we finish up here, look, last part, and we're done. Verse 12. So again, conduct yourselves honorably among Gentiles, so when they slander you, we know it's going to happen. Ready this? They will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. And the third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Let your steadfast testimony for Christ cement the reality of who you are. <clears throat> Steadfast testimony for Christ. Have you ever gotten in the obituary? You went to a funeral of somebody you knew, and when you, or let's just say somebody you, you knew a little bit, and you were reading the little card they give, I don't know what they call those. I call them the get well or the send off cards. 
you're reading that send-off card, you go, who's this? They remember of a church? They did the, you, you were like, I'm at the wrong place. Anybody ever seen that? You know what, sadly, I've seen happen. It's as if they tried to invent the testimony that they wanted that person to have. Do you realize right now, you're living your obituary? If you have me preach your funeral, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to share what you were. You love Jesus, I'm going to get up there and shout it from the mountaintops. But if there was no fruit in your life, I'm still going to shout the truth, the gospel from the mountaintops. Amen? I just won't be able to get up there and lie for you. I'm not going to sit up there and go, well, we don't know where they're at. I won't say that. All I'm going to do is preach the gospel truth and preach hope to the people who are there to memorialize you. You can find you somebody to lie for you. That's up to you. It's not going to change anything. But tonight, if you walk with honor, do you know what you'll do? You will cement and every day you will write a legacy and a lasting demonstration of unparalleled truth by the life that you and I live now. So what is it tonight? If right now you died this moment, what would the true legacy say about you? What would the legacy be? Somebody going to have to sit around and make something up? Or is your passion for Christ, your devotion to Christ, your commitment to Christ, your walking with honor and steadfast service to the King of kings and Lord of lords, unparalleled mirror in your life has been seen by the life that you live, and you will be able to be truthfully memorialized, eulogized, whatever you want to call it. They will be able to stand up there and truthfully share your passion, your heart, your desire, and it will be a mirror of what God's called and your, your eulogy, your memorial, whatever you want to call it, I call them homegoings, will be able to be a reflection of God's glory and will speak to the character of someone who'd been crucified with Christ, who no longer lived, but Christ lived in them. Is that what it is tonight? If not, I just want to ask you in closing this, if you wouldn't like what you're said tonight, you have one of two choices. You can go out of here, and you can forget what I said, and go on about living the same way, believing that everything's okay. Or tonight, you can say, you know what? That spoke the reality that I don't like right now what my legacy says, what my legacy is. Many years a pastor said, if you were arrested and charged with being a follower of Jesus Christ, would you be found guilty for overwhelming evidence or would you be acquitted for lack thereof? Tonight, we got 10 of your friends outside of church, not here, not talking about church people. If we found 10 of your friends not in any way associated with Longview and you, they were to sit down tonight and we said, hey, what is so-and-so like? What would those people say? Would they say, you know what? 
There's one thing I can tell you unequivocally. Such and such absolutely loves Jesus Christ. I'm not a real God person, but man, they love Jesus Christ. And what they've said to me so often is, I love you so much, that's why I keep sharing what I share with you. Or would those people say, oh man, they always have the funniest jokes. You know, man, they're all, you know, they always take me to the best restaurants. They always have the best little history quotes and things like that. Man, they're just so funny and they're so much fun to be with. What about spiritual stuff? Well, I don't know. I know they go to church. Um, you know, I, I know the, the, they can't go with us fishing or go on the rides that we go on on Sundays because they say to go to church. But well, what do they say about church? Well, we don't ever really talk about that. We always talk about all the other stuff, you know, our hobbies. And we have a lot of fun together. Remember that statement I said to you? I was riding with a friend who was attending church here. We go up to the auto parts store. They run inside, and the guy from the store is standing outside. And I said, hey, I know uh, such and such has invited you, but man, I just want to invite you to, to come and fellowship with us. We, we ride bikes, we go to church together and stuff like that. And they go, oh, that person, they go to church? And I remember I was so distressed because that person had no idea and was actually surprised that that person was an attender of church. We're living our testimonies out. And I ask you, what does your life, what is your testimony, what does the world think of what tonight you've been living? Let's pray. Father, thank you. God. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin, Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.